You're listening to the RUF at UT podcast. You're never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And you are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. For more information, go to www.utk.ruf.org. talking about relationships and my my I guess my overarching thesis is this you were designed to be loved and to love in the context of your relationship with God your relationship with yourself your relationship with other people and your relationship with the world those are your the four main relationships that you have God yourself others in the world and so we spent two weeks talking about your relationship with God we spent two weeks talking about your relationship with yourself and now we're going to enter into what's really going to take up the bulk of the rest of the semester, which is how do you relate to other people, which this is where we're going to get into the fun stuff of dating and marriage and sex and stuff like that. And so, uh, but before we get into that, I thought it would be appropriate to start with a relationship that I think is probably one of the most... uh, it is the most foundational and fundamental relationship that you will have, and it's your relationship with your parents. Some of you have relationships with your parents like Justin Bieber has with his parents. And you, you know this from the line of the song where he says, uh, my mother don't like you, and she likes everyone. Which is such a mean thing to say to somebody. Have you ever thought about how mean that is? My mother loves everyone except you. <laughs> But it tells you her opinion about who he's dating matters a lot to him. His view of his parents, it's a lot, means a lot to him. And on the other extreme, some of you have relationships with your parents that more look like Kylo Ren and Han Solo, (laughs) where you hate your parents, you fight with your parents all the time, you wouldn't mind if a lightsaber were involved in your relationship with your parents. But for most of us, if we're not on those end of the extremes, we're kind of in the middle. And our relationship with our parents is more like Sufjan Stevens had with his parents. And if, you've, if you're familiar with his album, Carrie and Lowell, which is him processing this complicated relationship with he had with his mom after his mom died. I mean, it is soul-crushingly just painful, that album. It's a beautiful, amazing album. But it just shows you how complicated his relationship with, was with his mom. I think that's kind of where most of us are. And our relationships with our parents are not only extremely complicated, but they are are extremely life-shaping. They are the most formative, foundational relationship that you have. Your marriage won't come close to shaping you in the way that your relationship with your parents has shaped you. In fact, every kind of mental health professional knows this. If you ever go to counseling, if you ever go to therapy... Your therapist will inevitably, eventually start asking you questions about your, your family of origin, start asking you questions about your, your family, because they know this relationship has shaped you and changed you in such a massive way. Even if you, if you love your parents, if you don't talk to your parents, you don't like your parents, they've still shaped you. Uh, some of you have lost your parents. You've lost your parents to death. You've lost your parents to uh, divorce. You've lost your parents to addiction. And even in that context, they've shaped you. It, it is the, the most life-altering, fundamental relationship with, that you have, and it just happens to be extremely multi-layered and complex and painful and complicated. And so, 
I think we should look and see what the Bible has to say about it. I know not everybody in here believes the Bible or trusts the Bible, and that's okay. Let's just see if maybe the Bible has anything to offer us in this kind of core thing that we all have, our relationship with our parents. So here's my thesis for tonight. My thesis is our relationship with our parents is complicated and hard because it requires three things. It requires effort, it requires wisdom, and it requires grace. So those are the three headings I want to look at tonight. Your relationship with your parents is hard. It's complicated because it requires effort on your part. It requires wisdom, but it also requires grace. So let's look at it one at a time. First, it requires effort. And if you look at the, uh, that first passage from Exodus 20, it's taken from the Ten Commandments. You may have heard of the Ten Commandments before, but never really thought about what are those things. Well, the Ten Commandments in the Bible, th- these are God's moral intentions for how all of humanity should function and how all of humanity should operate without any uh, exceptions. Universally, this is how people are to relate to each other. And the, the, the commandment there that was cited is the fifth commandment, which let's look and see what it actually is commanding. It is commanding, quote, honor your father and your mother, which means the Bible is saying to us, regardless of how you feel about your parents, regardless of how good your parents are, how bad your parents are, you are obligated to honor them for as long as you live. Now, what does that word mean, though? What does it mean to honor them? Well, it's interesting. If you were here a couple of weeks ago when we looked at our relationship with God, we talked about God's glory, that word kabod in Hebrew. Well, it's, it's fascinating. That same word, kabod, talking about glory, is the, literally almost the same exact word here when it's, when it's translated honor. And we said that glory means weightiness. It means, it means to give gravity to something. So the, the, the Bible is commanding you, when it says honor your parents, it's saying give them the weight and the gravity and the significance that they deserve. Treat them with the respect and the honor and the dignity and the weight. Treat them as if they matter, which is... which. This requires effort on your part. This requires you being proactive to do this. This doesn't just come naturally. What does that look like practically? Well, I I don't know. I think it could look like a lot of different things practically. One is that I think it could mean like actually paying attention to what they say. Like giving weight to their advice. If if you don't don't give weight to your parents' advice, if you easily dismiss them, you, you can dismiss something that has no weight. But... To give weight and actually listen to their advice is to honor them. Honoring them might also look like you thinking that they actually know something about life. I mean, I think deep down we all kind of roll our eyes at our parents and we think that they're just complete idiots because they don't know how to use the iPhone. And we're, like, it's easy for us to look at our parents and just think that they're just like totally out of touch with reality. But honoring them might look like, huh, they've... They're older than me. They may not be complete idiots. They might actually know something about life. That might be what it looks like to honor them. Uh, honoring them might also look like um, uh, doing what they've asked you to do, making good grades, uh, making good decisions, speaking well of them, not just trashing them behind their backs all the time, but speaking well of them. Uh, it might look like <gasps> calling them, or texting them, or, this is a big one, thanking them? Have you ever, like, taken the time to communicate to your parents gratitude for, like, everything they've done for you? Like, that would be a way to honor them. So that's, they, they, 
This is what's hard about it because it requires effort. It requires you to treat them in such a way, uh, which means um, for some of you, when you hear this commandment to treat, to honor your parents, it's actually really hard for you because of what your parents are like. As I was, th- as I was thinking about this, I thought about the movie Tangled. You remember the movie Tangled? Remember Rapunzel? She's like trapped in the tower. Her mom has her trapped in this tower. And Rapunzel's growing up. And Rapunzel's get, you know, kind of gotten to the point where she wants to get out of the tower. She wants to kind of explore the rest of the world. And her mom's like, no, you must stay in the tower. You must stay in the tower. And she launches into the song, Mother Knows Best. You remember this one? Here's a couple of lines from this song. It's amazing. It's, it's like the most passive-aggressive, manipulative song ever. But here's what, here's what Mother says to Rapunzel. She says, go ahead, get trampled by a rhino. Go ahead, get mugged and left for dead. Me? I'm just your mother. What do I know? I only bathed and changed and nursed you. Go ahead and leave me. I deserve it. Let me die alone here. Be my guest. But when it's too late, you'll see. Just wait. Mother knows best. <laughs> but here. Here you have this mom that is passive-aggressive, and she is manipulative, and she is deceptive, and she is abusive, and uh, you find out later in the movie that she even doesn't even love Rapunzel. She's just using her. So what do you do if you have a mom that's kind of like that? What if you do if you have parents that are deceptive and manipulative and guilt-trippy and shamey and abusive? The Bible looks at you and says, well, honor them, but notice what the Bible doesn't say. Look at what the commandment doesn't say. It doesn't say you must trust your parents. It says honor your parents. It doesn't say trust your parents. Trust is something that has to be earned. And if you have abusive, manipulative, deceptive parents, then you shouldn't trust them. You'd be, you'd be dumb to trust them. Trust is something that has to be earned. You don't have to confide in them, but you can still treat them with dignity. So it doesn't say trust them. It also doesn't say uh, you must agree with your parents. Some of your parents, some parents are just foolish. And it would be, it would be unwise to agree with your parents. But here's the thing. You can, you can respect somebody that you disagree with, right? You can honor somebody that you disagree with. Uh, the commandment doesn't say you must enjoy your parents. Some of your parents are probably hard to be around. They're just un- you don't enjoy being around them, and that's okay. You don't have to. But to cut yourself off from them and avoid them and do life totally apart from them is not to honor them. You can still honor and treat somebody with dignity that you don't enjoy being around. Uh, the commandment doesn't even say you must obey your parents. There are some parents in the world that are evil, and it would be, it would be wrong for you to obey them. So the command says to honor them. That's, that's what makes this, for the, even just beginning your relationship with your parents, for some of us, it's already hard and complicated because you're like, I don't know how to honor somebody that has hurt me. I don't know how to honor a, a person that, that's kind of hard to honor, but that's the commandment. That's why it's hard. It requires effort. But let's take a step deeper because it gets more complicated. It also requires wisdom. It requires effort, but your relationship with your parents also requires wisdom. Let's jump ahead to that Ephesians 6 passage. If you look at Ephesians 6, Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, some scholars say 1,500 years after the Ten Commandments were given. So here's Ten Commandments, 1,500 years, Paul writes Ephesians, and he's referencing this commandment, how you relate to your parents. And look at what he says. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. He doesn't say honor. 
He says, obey, which is kind of interesting. But then he supports that with the very next verse with quoting the original commandment by honoring your father and your mother. So what's going on here? What's he doing? Well, I want you to notice how uh, verse 1 begins. He says, children, which is a word that he's referring specifically to little kids, little, little children. He's saying, little children, obey your parents. Honoring your parents as a little kid looks like obeying them. He's taking this general commandment, but he's fleshing out the implications for this, what it looks like as a small kid. This is how you honor your parents. As a three-year-old, you honor them. But the Bible recognizes your relationship with your parents changes over time. It changes as you get older. In fact, you see this in verse 4 when it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. He's saying the whole goal of parenting is to bring your kid up, to raise them so that they go out of the house. The whole point of parenting is to furnish your kid with the resources that they need so that they can do life well independently of you. Parenting, bottom line, is working yourself out of a job. And that's what Paul is saying, is to bring them up in such a way. In fact, if you go to the chapter before this in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, when you marry somebody, you must leave your father and mother. So you recognize there's this progression. Things change as you get older, but here's what this means, is as things change, it just requires wisdom. Because you're always making adjustments. To depend on your parents as a three-year-old is good and right. But to depend on your parents in the same exact way as a 33-year-old, no bueno. <laughs> so, I, so when it comes to kind of where y'all are in life, I think being a college student is one of the funkiest, weirdest time in your relationship with your parents. You're, you're in like total no man's land right now. You're in this weird, funky gray zone. Because if you think about it, in many ways, you're, you're out on your own. In many ways, you're, you're an adult. You, you have no curfew. You, uh, you have nobody kind of looking over your shoulder and breathing down your neck. You're free to kind of do whatever you want. And yet, on the other hand, for most of you, my guess is you're still very much dependent on your parents. Uh, my guess is most of y'all are still on your parents' health insurance, or they're paying for your car insurance, or your phone plan, or your rent, or your tuition, or your food, or your whatever. And so, and so for, for a lot of you, you're in this weird in-between where you're not fully an adult, independent and on your own, and yet you're not this little kid either. You're in like weird, gray, no man's land. And so this means that it requires a lot of wisdom when it comes to how do you relate to your parents, especially at this funky stage. Some of you... Because things have changed, if your parents have not recognized this progression, some of you can still be controlled by your parents in ways that's really unhealthy. That you can be right here unhealthily controlled either externally or internally. And let me explain what I mean by these two different things. Some, Some of you are controlled externally. If you think about it, when you were born, your parents had absolute power over you. They they had absolute power really in three ways. Uh, they had physical power over you. They could pick you up and move you. They could, they could spank you. They could take you from one spot and just drop you into another. They had absolute physical power over you. You were like just a stationary ball of human, and they had all the power. They had economic power over you. You showed up into this world with nothing. You showed up naked and broke, and they owned everything. 
And they, have in, they had intellectual power over you. You knew nothing. They knew everything. You were dumb. They were smart. So they had three areas of power over you. But as you get older, of course, their power over you diminishes. You become big, too big where they can't just carry you around or spank you anymore, right? Uh, you eventually get a job and you start paying your, your, you know, your own way. You start paying for stuff yourself. You get, you have, you're financially independent. And you go to school and you learn things and you develop your own opinions and positions on things. So you develop intellectually, uh, physically, and economically as well. And so if your parents have not recognized that there is a change and there is a progression and they're bringing you up out of the house some parents will still try to control you, but the only tool that they have left at their disposal is the economic one. The only way that they can have power over you is money. And so I've, I, I'm aware of really sad situations out there. I knew of a student once where, where the parent said, I will pay for your grad school on the condition that you, li- that you move back in with me, move back in with us. If you choose to live somewhere else, you choose to live with your friends, you're on your own for grad school. And see how she's kind of, you know, they were manipulating this student into doing what they wanted because they had money. They would pay for it. Uh, I've heard stories where, where, you know, parents have said, you will behave this way or that way, and if you don't, then you can pay for your own college tuition. Controlling how you act, how you, how you live your life based off of who's paying the bills. And so I don't have, when it comes to, if you're in one of these situations, I don't have the magic, like, answer. Like, here's what you do. But here's a thought. I mean, this is wisdom. This is gray area, right? I think wisdom might look like you saying, okay, I'm not going to take the money anymore. I'm not going to be controlled by my parents in this way, and I'm not going to be manipulated by my parents in this way. I'm not going to be under their thumb. And so that might mean for me, my college experience is not what I want it to be. Maybe it means I take less classes because I have to, take it, I have to actually get a job so I can have money to be financially independent as a sophomore. But for you, it would be for your parents to say, I am going to sever this, the pipeline of money in an effort to restore our relationship. If you continue to try to control me and manipulate me, we have no shot of a relationship. There's no chance for there to be love and respect and trust. If you want any shot of a relationship with me, this means that I'm cutting off the money and I'm going on my own. I don't know. That might look like what wisdom. I mean, that might be wisdom. I don't know. Something to think about. If you're controlled externally through money, some of you are on the other extreme. And you're, you're not controlled externally, you're, actually, you're controlled internally. Here's what I mean by that. Um, I don't know if you've seen the TV show Parks and Rec. Um, but in season four, you remember this, uh, Leslie Nope starts running for city council. And she, her opponent, the one that's uh, also running, is Bobby Newport who's played by Paul Rudd, and he's like the greatest character ever. He's like, he's the heir of the bazillion dollar like candy company in, in Pawnee called Sweetums. And so he's got a bazillion, he's got tons of money at his disposal, but he's like this good-natured, like childlike, kind of idiotic, like sweet but spoiled character. And so he's running for office, but you, you, as the story kind of unfolds, you realize he has no plan. He has no kind of policies in place. You don't really understand why he's running. But at the end of the season, spoiler alert, um, his dad dies. And Leslie goes to visit him and to console him. And through tears, he confesses to Leslie. And he says this. He says, the only reason I did this campaign was to impress him. 
says, the only reason I, I ran was because I wanted my dad to be proud of me. The only reason I did this was so that he would be impressed. And so here you have an example of someone internally controlled by their parents. They're not externally controlled, but their heart is driven in such a way that everything that he's doing, every decision he's making is just so that he'll impress his parents. I wonder if that resonates with anyone. Where you're, where you're actually internally controlled. Every decision you're making, your decision about your future, your decision about what you're majoring in, your decision about whatever, is really so that your parents will be proud of you. It's really so that they'll be impressed with you. You're being internally controlled. And I, and I think what wisdom would look like for you in this particular situation would mean two things. On the one hand, it would mean that you admit that you're not honoring your parents, you're worshiping them. You, you have given them absolute allegiance, which is something that's reserved only for God. You're worshiping your parents, not honoring them. And, so, and then secondly, if you're willing to admit that that's what you're doing, then secondly, wisdom would look like you repenting. You, you turning from that. You saying, I'm going to demote my parents off of the throne and I'm going to recognize God as my king. Not my parents. I'm not going to be controlled internally by them. I would love for them to be proud of me. I would love for them to be impressed with me. But it's not going to dominate and rule and govern my life anymore. That's repentance. So I don't know. That's wisdom. But this is why it's tricky because your relationship with your parents is always shifting and you're just, you just happen to be in a weird, funky zone. It's complicated. It's complicated because it requires effort. It's complicated because it requires wisdom. And let's get really intense with this last point. It's complicated because it requires grace. So let's look at the third thing. It also requires grace. Look at uh, verse 4. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The word discipline means uh, training. It means punishment. It means boundaries. It's, it's, it's a parent saying to your kid, to the kid, no. You cannot have your own way. Uh, but it's fascinating. The word uh, uh, that we have, instruction, it literally means nurture. It's the word that we translate in other contexts uh, to mean counseling. It's like the Greek word for when we talk about counseling. It means personal care. It's, it's on this hand saying, yes, you are unconditionally loved. So this is how parents are to relate to their children in the Lord because this is how the Lord relates to his children. God treats us this way. He says, on the one hand, no, you cannot get your own way. There are boundaries. And yes, at the same time, you are absolutely unconditionally loved. And here's where I wish we had like 30 more minutes so I could go deeper into this verse because there, really, there is so much here that I'd love to talk about. But for the sake of time, let me just make kind of a, a, the, a general point. The general point is this. Parenting requires this really delicate balance of saying no and yes at the same time. No, you cannot get your own way. There are boundaries, there are clear lines, there are consequences. And yes, at the same time, you are unconditionally loved, which then creates this space and this freedom for, your ki- for the kid to fail and to know that there's always going to be the safety net of love and forgiveness waiting for them. They get to figure life out under the banner of love and safety and healing and forgiveness. This is why Paul says in verse 4, don't provoke your kids to anger, but do this. Meaning, if you don't do this balancing act well, you're going to provoke your kids to anger. 
And the reason why you would provoke your kids to anger is because you've hurt them. You've damaged them. And here's the big point. Here's the, here's the sad reality, is that all of our parents have failed doing the balancing act at some level. They haven't done it perfectly. Some of your parents are awesome, and you love your parents, and they're great, and I'm sure they are great. And I love that they're great, and they're awesome, but here's the sad reality. At some point, they failed you. At some point, they have not done the balancing act well, and they've hurt you. Lord knows that is true for me and my wife as we raise our kids. We're trying. I really want to do this well, and good grief, we're saving up for their counseling as we speak. It's like we know we're screwing them up at the same point. So some of your parents have tried, and they've tried, and they've really done it well for the most part. Some of your parents haven't. They haven't tried. Either because they were lazy, or they were selfish, or they were just too caught up in their own sin, and their own struggles, or their own issues, and they didn't do, they didn't even, they didn't do the balancing act well, which means for some of you, you, you were neglected growing up. Some of you were overly indulged growing up. Uh, some of you were abused growing up by your family, by your parents. Uh, some of you were, were controlled in a very harsh and strict kind of no love, no grace sort of environment. And so here, here's the point, is that uh, relating to your parents, it requires grace because there's been damage done. Everyone in this room has daddy issues and mommy issues. And if you're like, um, I, I don't, my parents are awesome, my parents have never done anything wrong, then like, I think you're like in the worst position possible because you have no clue how deep the well runs inside of you of, of pain and hurt. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm not trying to say your parents are bad parents. I'm just saying this is the nature of living in a fallen world. We've all hurt each other. So if you're going to relate to your parents, it, it requires grace. It requires grace. And part of what it means is, is it requires you forgiving them. Part of what it means to honor your parents is to have the humility to recognize that like, they're messed up too. They're just like you. And they're messed up because their parents messed them up. And, and for a lot of you, your parents tried as hard as they could. They were, they were just damaged, just like you're being damaged, just like I'm damaged, just like my children are going to be damaged. And so part of what it means to relate to them in grace is, is to know that, is to give empathy towards them, to, to, to know that there's fellow strugglers. You hurt them, they hurt you. You're screwing this up all over the place. And you're not going to be able to relate to them unless you are willing to give grace towards each other. So here's the big question as we finish. How can you give grace to somebody that has hurt you? And for some of you, has deeply, deeply hurt you. How can you give grace to someone like that? Well, hold on to that question. Let me try to answer it with this. Um, My wife and I have been reading Harry Potter to our daughter, Zoe Kate. She just turned eight on Saturday. And we've been reading um, Harry Potter to her for, I don't know, however long we've been reading it. We just finished up book two, so we're not that far in. We've got a long ways to go. But we just finished up book two a couple of weeks ago, and our daughter, Zoe Kate, kind of the big looming question for her that she keeps asking is, I don't get it. Why was Vold- Why did Voldemort, why was he not able to kill Harry when Harry was a baby? I don't understand. Why, if, if he's this big, dark, you know, powerful wizard, why couldn't he kill the baby? I don't get it. So what she's going to find out later, as we all know, except for the two of y'all that haven't read it, um, 
What she's going to find out is that when Voldemort showed up to James and Lily Potter's house when, when Harry was a baby and he busts down the door and he kills James on sight, bam, drop. And then when Voldemort goes upstairs and Lily, Lily is, is with Harry and Harry's in the crib and uh, here's what Lily says, quote, she says, not Harry, not Harry, please not Harry. And Voldemort says, I don't know how to do his voice, he says, stand aside, silly girl, Stand aside now. It's a silly girl. And Lily, which is not what you would expect like this evil dark wizard to say. Silly girl, get out of here. We can make a, 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 an edit uh, recommendation to JK. Um, so he says, stand aside, you silly girl. Stand aside now. And Lily says, not Harry. Please, no. Take me. Kill me instead. She offers herself in Harry's place, and Voldemort takes her down. And when he turns to Harry to take him out, somehow, mysteriously, her sacrificial love protected him. And so the killing curse, of course, rebounds off of Harry and hits him, and then he goes off into the woods, and he somehow shows up on the back of Quirrell's head, and... (laughs) But here is this act of sacrificial love that marked Harry, literally marked him, saved him, her life for his, and he's protected. And in fact, that act of love didn't just physically mark him, it internally shaped him and changed him. So that by the time you get to the end of book seven, spoiler alert, again, sorry I'm ruining everything, but I'm hoping you've been out in the world for the past few years, but... um, (laughs) When you get to the end of book seven, what does Harry do? When he faces Voldemort at Hogwarts, what does Harry do? He steps forward and offers himself. He walks in the ways of his mom. He loves because he has first been loved. And that's the logic of the gospel. The logic of the gospel is 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. When you know in your core that you are loved by God, I think that is the only thing that is going to give you the power and the resources to be able to turn that love and transfer that love back to your parents and extend grace to them. How can you know that you are loved by God? Did you know all throughout Jesus' ministry, he's always referring to God as his father? My father, Abba Father, Abba Father, which is one of the most personal, intimate words that he could have used to talk about God. He's always calling God his father except one time. There's one time where he doesn't call God his father. You know what it is? It's at the cross. At the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know why that is? It's because at the cross, it's, it's like Jesus is being torn away from the father's love. It's like, it's like Jesus, it's like God the Father is unloading on God the Son everything that you and I deserve. It's like Jesus stepping up and saying, take me, kill me instead. And at that moment, God the Father says, okay, your life for theirs. And so he loses his relationship with his father in that sense so that you can be brought into the family so that you could get in touch with who God is, so that you would know that you are loved. And when you know that you are loved by God, as he has offered himself to you in the gospel of Jesus, you know that all of your needs for intimacy and security and love 
and companionship that the Father himself has given those things to you. And once you have that, once you have the grace, you can give it away. But this is the secret. You can't give away what you don't have. You can't extend grace unless you've received it. But if you are willing to receive the love and the grace of your heavenly Father, only then will you be able to extend love and grace to your earthly father and your earthly mother. We love because he first loved us. That's the secret. That's the key. And if you are willing to receive his love, then as complicated and as hard as it is, only then will you be empowered and enabled to give the effort of honoring them of having the wisdom to know how to navigate this weird gray zone and to extend the grace that you've been given in the gospel. We love because he has first loved us. Let me pray. Father, as we think about our relationship with our parents, and for some of us this is a very hard topic, some of us this is a very painful and confusing topic, and yet I pray that you would help us to see the love and the grace of God the Father, towards us. I pray that you would help us to not just know of your love, but to actually taste it as we see Jesus offering himself for us. And Father, I pray that that would fill us and fuel us in such a way that we would become people that give grace, even to people like our parents, people that we love, people that we have strange relationships with, people that have damaged us. I pray that you would transform us so deeply by your love that we in turn would become people that love. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.